Blog Talk Radio. in New York on our Back to Football special. Tomorrow, there'll be a dozen games played in the afternoon, and we'll have all the highlights here on NBC on Football Night in America, which starts at 7 Eastern. And then it's the premiere of Sunday Night Football with the Jets hosting the Cowboys. With the open... Good evening, everybody. It's Angel you know, hosting the What's Bruins show. George is off today. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a NBA special going on tonight. Uh, we're going to have Matt LeBron calling in. And I hope to have a wonderful LeBron James greatness debate, or lack thereof. Um, while we wait for Matt to join, uh, we'll go over sports in, in today. Uh, Mets be in uh, the Nationals, 3-1, top of the ninth. Cleveland over, Washington, uh, over Chicago, White Sox, 5-4, top of the ninth. Yankees losing to Toronto, 4 nothing, bottom seven. Just on the way in Atlanta, 0-0 Marlins and Braves. 6 nothing, Baltimore over Boston, bottom four. KC over Detroit, 4-2, bottom third. Um, and a good luck uh, to Alex Gordon, who is set to retire, after, you know, who just announced his retirement at the end of the season. Uh, very good ball player and wish him well. Uh, five nothing, Houston over Texas, top three. Brewers and St. Louis zero zero. Oakland and the Dodgers scheduled to go off at nine forty today. Pirates actually win a game seven nothing over Chicago. Colorado beats the Giants in extra innings five to four. So we got the. Uh, Baseball season coming to an end. Uh, we're going to start with um, the playoffs. Um, first round is going to be at the higher seeds home ballpark. So it'll be one versus eight, two, seven, three, six, four, uh, four and five. Uh, the winner of those series will then go to California if um, they're an American League team. Uh, they'll go to either. Los Angeles' ballpark, uh, the Angels, or Petco Park. Uh, the National League teams will then head off to Texas uh, with um, the new ballpark in Arlington. I forgot the name of that place already. Um, home of the Texas Rangers and also Minute Maid Park, uh, home of the, of the Houston Astros, at which point uh, once um, the series are over, um, I believe the championship games will be held in Texas with the World Series eventually being held in um, Arlington. Now, I think uh, it's going to be extremely important that whoever gets in, they got to have depth in pitching. Uh, very, very minimal days off. So you're going to have to run a five-man rotation in the playoffs, which you know not a lot of teams are used to. You know, you're seeing, you know, the top three starters go. Um, maybe even a bullpen game. Uh, that's been very common um, in the last two or three years. Um, but bullpen games, I, that's not going to work this uh, postseason. 
Um, it's going to be, you know, the, the need for the relief pitchers is going to be great. And you can't burn them out in a bullpen game, especially with no days off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so to get the basketball real quick, you know, just tipped off. Lakers and Denver. This is game four. Lakers looking to put a chokehold on the series and go up three to one. Denver looking to make it, you know, a go. Um, I like, you know, I'm sure Matt and I will get into this, um, but uh, these teams are playing with heart right now. Um, Denver and uh, my my pick to go all the way is Miami. So, <laughs> I am a huge Jimmy Butler fan at this point. Um, the Butler did it. Um, he has that killer instinct that we got going on. Uh, hold on for one moment. Well, we wait for Matt. I'm just going to go ahead and go for a quick little break. So I'll be back in uh, 60 seconds. about Headblade, check us out at headblade.com. back uh online we have matt lebron and jeremy welcome guys good oh, there you are i'm here i think that jeremy are you are you on right now jeremy might be calling in in a minute all right yeah he's not on yet all right He'll get all right on so we have a 5-4 lead denver over the lakers the hated Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see what happens, man. Two-one series right now. I uh, thought that the Lakers would come out with a little bit more can-do and energy in the last game, trying to avoid giving the Nuggets any chance of you know feeling comfortable. But that all sounds good until you get in the game, and then it is what it is. All those storylines are good, but that doesn't really dictate anything. doesn't mean that anyone's out of the picture, clearly. All right, hold on. Let's get Jeremy on. It looks like he's calling in. Sweet. Jeremy, welcome. Hey, guys. What's up, buddy? Not much. Hope How you enjoying the game? Ah, yeah, I'll uh, the dream. Happy 2020. 
Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Matt was just commenting how he thought the Lakers would be a little bit more on fire. And I was just about ready to contradict him, saying that the Lakers have no heart. They're definitely a more talented team. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they're battle-tested. Um I give more heart to Denver and absolutely more heart uh, with my pick, uh, the Miami Heat. You know, Miami had to fight for everything since they got into the bubble. And uh, they got that very bad man, Jimmy Butler. I know you've been on a whole Jimmy Butler kick, Macho. You've been texting me after every game talking about Jimmy Butler. And they've been they've been pretty impressive. The Lakers were my pick at the start of the season, but – the bubble oh, you're, Miami you're, you're from, you're, scary you're for a lot of teams. Oh, come on, man. Let's not do this. Let's not get right into this. It's all good between me and all good between me and my cousin. How about you, Jeremy? Yeah, you pr- what do you think about tonight? Um, You know what? I'm just spectating. Um, trying to, hopefully I can be a happy basketball fan and see another great oh, game. Oh, my God. Did you guys just see that uh, layup by uh, Murray? No, man. Yeah, I did actually. It's tough trying to do this conversation. I'm so sorry. We got Anthony... the game on, but you can't miss this game. Jeremy, I'm so sorry to, to cut you off there, brother. But that was, yeah, it didn't count because uh, apparently uh, they didn't give him a uh, continuation. But yeah, that was just a beautiful uh, reverse there. Yeah, I'm actually not able to uh, watch the game just yet. Um, but I am thoroughly impressed with Jamal Murray. I have no idea or had no idea that this was in his game. And uh, this guy is going to be uh, a force and a problem to deal with for a long time. I don't think that cat even knew how dangerous he can be. I mean, he is just. Um, like he's been on another level and you know, since they went to the bubble. I know Dame went on to like this other stratosphere when he when he was in it. Um and yeah, man, it's like you look at these players and a lot of them are taking this bubble really well. I know Paul George was crying about it. But, you know, it's you know, it just shows you like yeah, what has Paul George ever won? Well, I mean, he did do battle with the LeBron Miami Heat in his younger days, and I kind of feel like that's the best version of Paul George we'll ever get um, pre-injury. Um, for some reason, I think maybe he might be a little shell-shocked from off of that catastrophic injury um, playing for USA Basketball. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. The bubble is – exposing um, the guys that are gym rats and the guys that are uh, high-energy guys. So um, I feel like we are seeing great basketball, um, but uh, we're missing out on a few guys that would be ultimate performers in the bubble, and those guys are KD, Kyrie, and Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, too. Um, that's their natural environment. Um they, you know, you could see any of those guys just, even if they weren't in the NBA, just in an open run at a boys' club or a YMCA. Like, 
That's just who those guys appear to be. So the bubble is definitely exposing. So you brought up a great, you know, you you brought something really cool. I want to touch on it. Uh, The bubble, uh, this pandemic, um, it's going to end up helping Brooklyn and Golden State. Um, Because, you know, first off, neither of those players really had to worry about being in, in this environment because, first off, Golden State chose the best year ever to stink. And so it's disgusting they get a top five pick out of this whole thing. They, like, they need more talent. Um, uh-huh. And Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn, I'm just so, like, I know 2019-2020 was – they didn't care about this year. And you saw that because Kyrie really didn't, you know, it didn't look like he cared to play this year. You know, there was going to be no KD. And I think in terms of relationship wise, that is such a negative because how many games did he actually play with his teammates? Is there any uh, chemistry that got built in that, in this year? And that's where this year should have been that chemistry year that they build. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. They have. yeah. And you bring up chemistry. That's what a lot of people are realizing and saying might've been the downfall of the Clippers. So, yeah. you know, I think it's important to take any kind of advantage that you can to build chemistry, especially on a relatively new team with relatively new guys. But I mean, just between injuries and the pandemic, I think a lot of people found excuses to not have to play. I mean, Kyrie was injured for a stretch of the season that he wasn't playing. I understand what you're saying where it didn't seem like he was in any particular rush to get back out there either. But, you know, that's his that's his style, I guess. There's certain guys that would race to be back out there in some years and, you know, certain guys that might be looking ahead to next year, but I think it's important to build that chemistry. We're seeing, even if the Lakers don't win the whole thing, which I think they're going to, or even if their star players fall short in big moments, I think that you can see the chemistry that the team has. And I think that that's a big reason for why they've played as well as they have these playoffs. Even if they don't always bring it every night. No team really brings it every single night. Maybe the Miami Heat, but that's about it. But that's such a sad thing to say because, you know, it's like, yeah, I was just, I was watching uh, the Yankee game the other day, and the Yankees were playing Toronto, and they had run, uh, players Toronto running hard on every play, and the announcers Michael K and I think it was O'Neill, uh, they were like, it's so sad that you have to kind of bring it up that they're actually hustling every play. You know, their Peter was a hustle every play guy. You know, you look at Robinson Cano, he loafed a lot. You look at a guy like Gary Sanchez, the catcher, he loafed a lot. Um, there's not that fire, which is what scares me with this Yankee team. Yeah. I haven't been what kind of Euro step was that? What? By, by the way, Jamal Murray's shoes are fire in this game. 
Are they? Yo, Jeremy's a big shoe guy. Well, Jeremy just dropped, so let's see if he calls back in. Okay. All but, right. But th- those shoes are fire. Well, we'll see how much it helps him on the court tonight, man. Speaking of LeBron, I want to get your honest <laughs> opinion, just an honest statement from you on how you feel like LeBron James has performed in these bubbles and these playoffs. They're in the Western Conference Finals. They're up 2-1. We'll probably get into it at some point, Macho. We've been talking a lot about LeBron. But I just want to hear for a second, what is an honest assessment of what you've seen from LeBron James in these playoffs? Uh, Typical LeBron James, I think. Uh, uh, I think he is a basketball savant. I think he is an unbelievable talent. But he's a crybaby. You know, a lot of times, you know, you know, he complained about the bubble here. You know, Paul George was the only person that co- complained about the bubble. There was a lot of complaints from LeBron James. And, you know, honestly, like you see even during the game, uh, he took the quote-unquote elbow to the head the other day, and it looked like it grazed him. It, it, he didn't get smashed. And, you know, that's like one of my pet peeves against LeBron. He goes full soccer when he plays. You know, if you see on him, he's laying out for a foul. Um, MJ would just eat him alive. You know, try to get yeah. an elbow from Rodman or from Lane Beer or even Isaiah. Damn, man. I, I think that we're just entirely too critical if you just want to jump into it. I think that we're entirely too critical of a guy that has been has felt like he's the best player in the game for the last 20 years and is also like a full-grown 6 foot 8 250 pound man. Like I understand that the I understand that he flops and that he exaggerates things and that he plays to the refs and he's the best player in the world. So if he wants to you know yap at the refs and say all this and he's cool doing that, and everyone else is allowed to do it, then, like, you know, he's allowed to do it too. And just because he may complain and just because he's got a lot to say, I kind of have two points about this, and then I'll let you talk. But, you know. um, Well, I'm going to bring Jeremy on right now. Okay, cool. Sorry about that, guys. No worries. All right, man, finish up with your LeBron. Yeah, we were just about to go in, Jeremy, on this whole LeBron and Michael Jordan thing that everyone always winds up talking about. I was just saying, like, your biggest complaint about him, Macho, from what you said, was that he he can be a crybaby and he complains, and that takes away from some of it for you. That takes away from the overall LeBron image for you. And I get that. That stuff is all true at times. But let's not group that together in this idea that, like, he couldn't play 30 years ago or 20 years ago and be a great player or that, like, well, the second he caught an I never said from Calm Malone, he would just go down like he couldn't handle it. He's a full-grown man, and he's been doing what he's been doing for a while. And, you know, I, my, my other point, and I just thought about it as you were saying it, Macho, I've never looked at it this way, but LeBron does complain about a lot of things. He had a lot to say about the bubble when they first got down there. 
he speaks out a ton on like social, you know, justice issues and everything going on in the world today. I I wonder because he kind of is so vocal and he's also happens to be the face of the league, how much he's always expressing just his concerns and how much he could also be voicing certain things that he hears amongst players or that he hears just hanging out around the bubble. And he's someone that's willing to put a voice to that. I don't know how much I believe that. I'm just throwing it out there because he is very vocal and present on social media. And he also happens to be LeBron James. So just a couple of things to throw at you. Okay. So what we'll do is I'm going to have Jeremy answer coming up. And Jeremy, before you say anything, when you watch the game, I know you say you're not watching it yet. Check out Jamal Murray's kicks. They are on fire. Matt said you would love them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they are – I mean, it is just this bright neon green. I mean, it's just like popping off the TV. It's, it's, I think it's like my favorite thing so far. But uh, go ahead, Jeremy. Take it away about LeBron. Yeah. Um, I don't know well, if you heard I... the question that we were talking about, Macho. I don't know if you want to reiterate. No, you, you, you said the question, so you can go ahead. Um, I think Matt does have a point when, in terms of LeBron James, um, especially on the social issues, um, um, which I think, um, you know, just in today's current climate, there's a big line drawn in the sand and, um, everything is, um, um, very black and white, uh, for lack of a better term, but, um, everything is polarized. So it's either, you know, you're for this or you're not, you know, and um, there's no there's no middle ground. And I think that LeBron, because of his stances, um, you know, he can fall victim to that on both sides, people who agree with what he um, has a say, and then you have people who do not agree. Um, so I think he does kind of take a hit on that. But in most cases, though, I think he takes his hit because when he's pressed with uh, further questions about his line of reasoning or his thoughts, it seems that he kind of doesn't have um, fully fleshed out ideas. Um, and I'm thinking about that in terms of how we've heard Jalen Brown talk. Um, Jalen Brown's a young dude, super smart guy. And um, mm-hmm. his issues and his stances on social on social matters, when they press Jalen Brown, he actually is prepared to delve even deeper into the commentary, even deeper into um, whatever the societal issues are. And sometimes I, I, I found that LeBron with, uh, kind of, I found it with Donovan Mitchell as well. I thought he was very well-spoken. You know, a lot of times that when he was uh, approached, then he spoke. So I I definitely agree with you on Jalen Brown. Very articulate, very smart. And he and, has and he has and, a and don't get me wrong. End. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying that LeBron isn't you know. I, I'm pretty sure there's a you know there's, you have people who can articulate these things and make it plain for the listener to understand. And then you have people who feel the same way, but they may not have that gift, that ability, that gift of gab to be able to illuminate it and and make it easily understandable for everyone. 
So, you know, LeBron may be one of those guys who just doesn't have that gift. But, um, but yeah, Jalen Brown. And the other thing also um, that I'd like to point out, too, is that, you know, LeBron is 35 years old. And, you know, at a certain point um, when we were younger, any one of us in our younger days, we were more willing to jump out and jump into the fire, you know, whether it's not necessarily in terms of social issues, it could just be, you know, um, with your friends, you know, you're just more daring um, in your youth. And I feel that when you look at LeBron at his age, you can kind of consider that, okay, LeBron, I hear you saying this, what are you willing to give up? You know, or maybe not necessarily that he has to give up anything, but, you know, he's maintained such a manicured image for so long. And, you know, when it comes to social changes and societal upheaval, it's mostly the young people that are leading the head of that historically. And, you know, those young people have no fear. Jalen Brown doesn't have to worry about, uh, you know, a $100 million Nike deal. He's just out there playing basketball, and he's a young guy, and he, you know, has his feet in what he believes in. So, you know, there's not as much at stake. So you could really throw yourself into the fire. For LeBron, it's, you know, he's kind of one foot in, one foot out in some cases because he can't really throw the full weight of his voice uh, behind certain topics without getting some sort of backlash in his business life. You know what I mean? No, I, I definitely hear it. Like, um, you know, I'm going to try to go away from, you know, the – like a lot of the social media stuff and social justice stuff right now. And like, I'm basing my opinion solely today on his game. And like, I look at his game. Listen, I, you know, I'm going to contradict Matt there for a second. You know, I believe he could have played in the era of Jordan and in the era of the eighties with, with magic and with uh, Larry bird. He can absolutely play. My thing is, would he be, yeah, would he be LeBron or, or would he be like when you think of soft players, you know, I don't think like I don't think he has the thick skin. You know, um he complained about only getting sixteen first place votes for MVP. Jordan would never complain about that. What Jordan would do is he would use that for himself and destroy Charles Barkley with the first chance he got, which happened to be in the finals. You know, and, you know, he said it pissed him off, but nobody ever knew it pissed him off until the last dance. And I think that that's my point where, you know, LeBron doesn't need to say what's on his mind every single time because it makes him look soft. You know, (laughs) excuse me. Um, I think he's an unbelievable talent. I think he would have been a great Scottie Pippen to Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen. You know, remember, he, LeBron was one who kept bringing up the Jordan references. He says he's chasing the ghost. You know, he wants Jordan. So when you make that type of statement, you you leave yourself out there for um, – negativity or you know you leave yourself open to be challenged and mind you you know mj's uh hairline never went that quick 
<laughs> Damn. All right. There you go. <laughs> I got to hit him there. MJ's got him beaten every way. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, listen, and listen, I know that historically, you know what? To compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan is unfair. I think that they are not the same player. I think if you want a proper comparison, you need to compare him to Magic Johnson. The point forward. You know, Magic was the one who created that. Yeah. You know, so the more accurate, you know, comparison is Magic. Yeah. And I would say that he's better than Magic Johnson if that's, like, the comparison Uh, that you can have. But I think that that's a more fair comparison. I just think he does a lot of things better or slightly better. I didn't grow up watching Magic Johnson, but you know how crazy I am about this. I've seen a lot. I, I know stats and numbers and, you know, I, I if you put a gun to my head, he's better than Magic Johnson. It's not by a lot, but he's, you know, I think he scores a little bit better. I think that he's a better athlete. He's played for longer. He's, you know, they if LeBron wins a championship this year, their finals records are very similar. A lot of people don't know that Magic Johnson, I think, went to nine finals, and I think he won, like, four of them. So, you know, they're they're very neck and neck. It's just because you made the comparison. Um, if I could just throw it out there real quick, you were making a lot of good points, Macho. I think that the era dictates a lot of ways that players act as well as things that they can get away with. Like, I think that LeBron, for one thing, you know, a lot of it because maybe players would have issues with him and he started it, and some of it because he might be allowed a little bit more free will. I think that you would see a lot more, like, physicality and pushing and shoving, and I think that players would be going at him a lot harder in the 80s, but that would have to bring something out of him, too. I think that social media allows you to see a lot of what guys are like behind the scenes and also like with how they answer post-game media questions. But I think it's a good and bad thing. My my big point is that I think that the era dictates, if everyone, I mean, I feel like the whole NBA players, I feel like everyone's always complaining about something for the most part. So LeBron is a complainer amongst complainers. And, you know, he gets caught for a lot of things on social media in a world that's obsessed with everything that he says every second of the day. Um, But I also think that, like, the 80s league maybe would have gotten rid of some of that softness and some of that, you know, negative quality that you think that you see in him. But I also don't think that he would have been what he is today, LeBron James, the way that you posed it. Because if he was playing in that era, he would have, you know, he would have won his share of championships, I think but he would have been um, constantly in the shadow of Michael Jordan. It depends, man. You know, like, what conference was he in? What? How long did he play for? Like, it depends on a lot of things. I think that he wins yeah, his I'm share the- of titles. He's still LeBron James, but he would have always been second to Michael Jordan as long as Michael Jordan was in his prime. Okay, so I'm going to give an alley-oop to uh, Jeremy here. Jeremy, yeah. are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Now, my point, my position is that LeBron's soft. Now, one of the things for me, and it kind of dictates in terms of 
is this player a baller? Is he a dog? You know, is he out there? How many times has LeBron James played a full season? Full 82. A whole 82? Um, I think just because of the load management error, probably that's tough to say. I don't think it – He's. that's tough to say. I think any game that he does has missed has been due to load management um, and not necessarily due to any sort of significant injury outside of the groin a few years ago. Um, but do you have an answer for that? or? Yeah. He's only played okay, one. Is once. Only yeah. once. And here I am. I'm oh, looking wow. at Jordan. Rookie year, 82 games. He got hurt the second year. Uh, year two, I mean, sorry, year three, 82, 82, 81, 82, 82, 80, 78. Then he left uh, basketball, came back, 17, 82, 82, 82. 60, and his final season as a 39-year-old man was 82. Yeah. I mean, it's a a different era. You know, we talk about load management, but load management has really been in play the last two or three years because these guys were complaining. Like, LeBron was leading that charge, man. He was saying, first off, the schedule's too long. Really? It's too long? <laughs> it's been 82% for how long? He's and not now, the only all of a sudden, one that's saying it, though, man. He's not the only one that well, says that, though. Well, because now it's open. Now it's open for debate. And, you know, everybody's, oh, you know, yeah, I, I want to I play less but get paid the same. You know, everybody's on that kick. You know, if you can, if you can make, let's say, $17 million playing 60 games versus – 17 million playing 82, you're going to take the 60, right? Well, I'm sure there'll be some type some, of proration some players somewhere. Would and some players might not. You know, I, I think this whole load management stuff, like for Kawhi, I understand because he was coming off a major injury. Um, when you got that leg injuries, I can understand it. You know, LeBron with his quad, I'll give it to you. Because legs for these athletes, you know, it's the biggest thing. Um, But listen, you know, my point is, Jordan never asked to come out of a game like uh, Scottie Pippen because I got a migraine. You know, Jordan never did that. Jordan played every game that he could. He was upset the year the old the year he got hurt because they didn't want him to play in those games coming back. And then when they, when they you know when he played they put him on that you know stupid minutes restriction where they didn't let him go one minute over the specified time. So you know that just shows me heart. You know that shows you know and we all know Jordan was a was a maniac. <laughs> but Co- Kobe was the same way. You know, yeah. try to get Kobe off the ring, off the floor. You said it before, gym rats, right? Jordan would be out there every day busting somebody's ass, whether it was uh, Ron Harper or Tony Kukoc, or what, what was that guy's name? Billy, uh, what was his name on Last Dance? Like, Jordan was ripping him left and right. 
Oh, oh man. Um, Scott Burrell. Scott Burrell, yes. <laughs> and, you know, he brought, you know, like, he put him out there and he whooped his ass. And he said, I'm going to whoop your ass. You know, do you think Kobe was scared of uh, Shaq? Hell no. Sit up to Shaq. And if Shaq would have listened to him, they would have had more championships guaranteed. And Shaq even says that to this day. He wished he listened to Kobe. I agree. Um, what I will say in, in this debate is I'll take it to a, a, um, another place here. Um, just looking at their game, I know there are two separate players with different roles and responsibilities on the court. And one thing that I do see is that a lot of um, LeBron fans point to the statistical edge that LeBron has um, just due to the sheer longevity, which is nothing to sneeze at. But um, what I will say is that if you look at the game, uh, the game is primarily comprised of dribbling, shooting, and passing. Um, Of course, Mm -hmm. there's defense as well. But those are your three primary skills that you need to have to at least just get on the court to have playing time. So when I look at Jordan being able to dribble, um, I give Jordan the edge with the handle. Now, is Jordan going to go out there and, you know, do a curl, fake crossover curl, and then go behind the back and then snatch back with the left hand like Kyrie or something? I mean, he's not going to do that. But that's the way that people – part of ball handling, and that's not necessarily true. Ball handling is really can you get to where you need to get to on the court and can you protect the ball? John Stockton is a primary example. When's the last time I never saw John Stockton get picked? And no. I may, I've seen Jordan get picked before too. But that's what essentially what ball handling is. Can you get to your spot on the floor or can you get your team engaged or can you go anywhere on the court and still be able to protect the ball. And LeBron, he uh, can handle the ball, and he can do that. But at times, you know, I I do see him loose with the handle. Uh, He was loose with his handle in the last game against the Nuggets and the game before that. Um, So I give the edge of Jordan in that. As far as passing, LeBron's a a better passer. I mean, he can can see the floor, but it's more of a wide-open, spaced-out game. Now, Jordan, as a two-guard, somebody who's not really – the ball does end up in his hands, but he's not initiating the offense due to the triangles. Jordan is passing out of double teams. He's finding the man. And as a two-guard, he's averaging five and a half to six assists a game, which is excellent production for a non-primary ball-handling two-guard. So, you know, you've got to look at at that in that aspect. And then, of course, when it comes to scoring and shooting – I mean, I'll give the edge to Jordan as far as scoring and shooting, moving off the ball, moving off picks, um, posting up mid-post, low-post. I know they didn't really shoot a whole lot of threes during that era like they do now, but I look at the way that Jordan gets into his shot mechanics. You look at how he's always on balance. You see some of the fadeaways this guy pulls. He's always on balance. So that's a major part of shooting. And then you look at how the ball goes in the rim. You look at, you know, is he, you know, is he, is it, is he hitting all the iron? Is it going in all net? Is there touch? Is there right hand? Is there left hand? And LeBron has developed a lot of that, but it's been recent developments in his game. Um, within, like, you, you, never saw, I, you never saw Jordan with the Kawhi uh, 
you know, 15 uh, point uh, uh, shooters role, right? You never saw that one with, with MJ. Right. Where Kawhi yeah, took that I mean, shot and hit, hit iron like 19 times before it went in. Right. So goodbye, it, it, may, it, it may sound trivial um, that, you know, he's making a lot of shots on that, but really, man, that is hours and hours and reps upon reps of focus. Um, and knowing how to get to your spot, different trajectory angles from your fadeaway. I remember Jordan hitting the fadeaway over Sean Marion in the All-Star game. And I just knew Marion was going to slap his shot into the third row. But old man Mike could adjust his trajectory to get his shot off over the more athletic player. Now, I mean, those are just some of the things that I see in comparison to the games. Um, Of course, LeBron's a bigger player. He's going to get more rebounds. The guy's 6'9". He's got Jordan outweighed by 30 or 30, 40 pounds, um, about 30 pounds. So, um, But that's just when I compare the two, I kind of just look at the basics of basketball and, and try to break it down that way. But uh, they're both right, the intangibles come later. Regard. Right. Um, now, I do have a bone to pick with Matt for a second. When he said cool. that he believed like LeBron was better than, than Magic, I'm just going to say one thing and take it for how, however you want to take it. But um, Magic played all five positions. He played center in the NBA Finals and won a championship playing center. As a rookie. I don't think LeBron yeah. could, right. I don't think LeBron could play all five positions. And Magic did. Um, and once again, it was in a more physical era. So he's playing it. it in the trenches against the big boys, and he's coming out on top. Uh, we have another call here. Let's see who this is. Cool. Is that you, George? Is Hello it's and welcome. It's Angel Louis. Is that Angel? you? It's, yeah, yeah. It's me. Yeah. Hey, Louis. I got Matt Hello. and Jeremy on. We're talking about LeBron. Uh huh. What is he? Okay. What did the egomaniac do now? Well, hold on. I think Louis, you're you're old enough to uh, to talk about the Jordan era and how yes. you know we were just talking about Magic and how Magic played all five positions and he played center in the NBA Finals and won. That's true. Uh, make so guys like that anymore. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Well, they don't make they don't make guys like that anymore. You play all five positions. You know, I mean Johnson and. Well, I don't want to mention this guy's name, but anyway, Bird, you know, changed the way how uh, the NBA is played today. And before that, nobody really even cared about the NBA much. But when they came along, they changed the whole landscape of the whole sport. And now we're good now. And then Jordan brought to new heights, uh, took the Bulls from mediocrity to stardom. And then you got LeBron, who, of course, yeah, he did bring the Lakers back to glory, but he is, he is so, he is so whack. I mean, he thinks he, he thinks he owns the league. He thinks he's God's gift to it. He's just he's just a super egomaniac, and that's what bugs me about him. I won't deny he's a great player, but he's can be such a jackass. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Does that put it in words for you? Yeah. No, that <laughs> loud and clear. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I respect him as a player, but outside of that, yeah. No, I mean off the court he, he, oh, yeah. he, he can be a real jerk. 
Yeah, I don't think he, you know, anybody can ever deny his talent. Yeah, I think he's definitely no. a talented player. I think he's definitely a first ballot, no doubt, Hall of Famer, unanimous type player. Mm-hmm. You right. know, but to compare him, like I said, you know, I, and I do agree with a couple of your ego points because, like I said, for him to cry about 16 people voting for him for MVP, it's, oh, he's a wuss. You know, what, you know what, what do you care? Win a championship. That, that's what you want to do. And that should be your focus. Yeah. I mean, look. What do you What are you gripping about? You You won. You won that award four times anyway. You're, you know, you won what four championships. So what the hell are you griping about? You know, take it out Ooh, on I, whoever. Take it out yeah. on, on teams and steamroll them. Well, here, but, here's uh, what I, mean, I think about that. If I could just If I could just jump in real quickly. Um, Go ahead, yeah. My thought about that is that LeBron gave us the answer that he thinks we wanted to hear. Um, I think he hears all the chatter about him not having the quote-unquote killer instinct or the clutch gene, and he gave us the answer that he felt like we wanted to hear. But that's not really who he is. And I think he mentality is more of a Magic Johnson guy, just like we said he has a Magic Johnson mentality, but he's not next. Of uh, Kobe, MJ um, type of. And don't forget about uh, Jimmy Butler. Don't forget about Jimmy. Okay, well we can Jimmy got that killer. He has that uh, killer dog in him too. Well, yeah. He's just not as talented like, as Kobe and MJ, but he has that killer dog to him. Jimmy. Yes. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, baby. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy Butler is a whole different animal. Is he the same animal and the same beast? Mm, no. No. <laughs> but you got to admit, his game of zones was hilarious. The one uh, where he was in Minnesota. And he was chasing oh everybody God. trying to get him traded. That was like the Stop. greatest thing I've ever seen on TV. Uh, if you haven't yeah. watched it, uh, look it up, Game of Zones. Jimmy Butler, the it's pure entertainment. <laughs> yeah, man, they had a good time with that. My 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 quick little thought on everything that you've been saying about LeBron is that I can't outwardly argue any of that because the evidence is all there. Uh, my, the point yeah. that I made earlier is that I think that the error that these guys play in dictate a lot of the ways that they behave. And the yeah. only thing that the reason that I uh, feel like I go to bat for LeBron a lot of times is like I'm younger you, you than, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think that like I've seen him play. I never got to see Jordan play live. I've seen everything that I've seen in, like, loving the game of basketball and watching highlights, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. If I saw Michael yeah. Jordan play in real time, I'd probably think that that's, you know, hands down, no argument. And the only thing that I don't like about the LeBron James arguments is that sometimes I feel like it gets lost just how good this guy actually is and where his place is amongst the best players that have played because a lot of people – it's easy to pick on him for a lot of the stuff that we're picking on him for. So whenever I hear stuff like that, it's just, I have to make the point that like, yeah, 
but we have to acknowledge how phenomenal he is and how it's, you know, a big achievement to play as long as he's played, to be going for another championship. I just feel like a lot of that stuff gets lost in the mix of wanting to rag on him. And ragging on him is fair, but you also got to give him his props, you know, for the player that he is. You know, but I think the soft, the soft label comes a lot because he brings it on. Um, you know, I never said he was soft with Cleveland because he's in Cleveland. Yeah. He's doing it on his own. He brought a team that probably should have won 20 games. He brings them to the finals and loses in the finals. Yeah. I respect that. When he goes to Miami and builds the super team and says he's going to win not one, not two, not three, eight championships, mm-hmm. and then you fall flat on your face multiple times. Well, he won six, like not the, Right. It's like the argument with the Yankees. Everybody says, oh, well, the Yankees should win the World Series every year because they, the, they get the better player, players, right? So if that's your argument, then shouldn't LeBron win every year? Because the other thing is he never left the East until he went to L.A., because the East was super weak. There really was no dominant team to challenge LeBron in Miami. There was no dominant team to challenge LeBron in Cleveland the second time. The first time, yes, you can say the Celtics. Uh, they were a very strong team at that point. Um, trying to think who else was dominant in the East at that point. I think Indiana was, you know, a go-getter at that point. Yes. And the Bulls but, were very good for a while in the East. They never got where they right, should have gotten to, but the right. Bulls were right there every year. Exactly. They, they were the other team I was thinking of. It wasn't Indiana. It was the Bulls with Coach Tibbs yeah, and right. uh, that crew. But it wasn't until, like, and the only reason why he went out to L.A., and this has been this has come up, was, for his other career after basketball. You know, they were talking about his production company. It wasn't to really, quote-unquote, challenge the Western Conference and to win. If it happened, it happened great. But he really went out there to do mm-hmm. Space Jam 2, to do his barbershop. What, does he have barbershop, or which one is his? Or, uh, uh, his his uh, TV show. I know Kevin Durant has one, and I think yeah. LeBron has Barbershop. Oh, yeah, something right. like that. I'm not sure. Jordan was Space Jam. Right, yeah. and his Space Jam will not be MJ's Space Jam. See, you, you don't want to be compared yeah. to him, but you're doing everything with him. <laughs> you know, you, you it's take okay. number, you know, 23. It's okay, which is his number. It's all right. It's all and, right. You know, he, here's my other argument on his softness. And I'll open it up to you guys after I say this. He never had to fight for anything. In high school, no. he was he was the chosen one. Jordan got cut. Jordan had to fight right. for everything he got. Jordan made himself the number two or three pick in the NBA draft. You know, LeBron was always the number one pick. He was number one pick when he was a sophomore in high school. They just had to wait for him to come out. So everything was handed to LeBron, whereas Michael had to fight for it. And I turn it all over to you guys. 
Uh, each generation, of course, is going to say who was the best. You know, we'll probably say it was Jordan. This generation will probably say uh, it's LeBron and whatnot. Just like, you know, back in this, uh, before that, you know, you had uh, Bird and Johnson went on. You have to go you back there. Maybe it's the same. Um, Will Chamberlain or Bill Russell back before then, so it's you know it's it's all it's all generational, but you know it's it's hard to compare you know one player to the to the other really. I mean, you know, and I don't know if Jordan you guys noticed, numbers, but I, I actually mean, hate Jordan. Both star players. I, you would take Jordan. I, I'm a Knicks fan, so I I hated Jordan. So, am so I. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, I know. So I'm heaping this praise on this person who absolutely murdered us. How many double nickel games did he have against us? How, you know, how many times did this guy come out? <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm not trying to be a Michael Jordan lover here. Right. You know, I just want, want to be honest with my assessment where, you know, if you ask me in my eyes, who's tougher, who's stronger, who's the better player, you got to go NJ. You know, also realize oh, that yeah. he lost his yeah, age 30 is 30 seasons, 34, 35, and 36 seasons. So he lost his prime years to retirement. You know, if he played all four years, where would he be? Right. Well, we're not going into that. It was retirement. David Stern said he did not suspend them. There was no double secret probation. So don't even go there. (laughs) You know. Oh. But, uh, well, Jesus. I, I would like to um, point out one fact here. Um, I do agree that LeBron, I love LeBron's um, longevity. Uh, I'd like to see his game transition more to more of a post-up game so he can get the most of, of his longevity. But, you know, by all means, if you're still a freak athlete at 35, then go out and do freak athlete stuff. But um, as much as I hear year 17, every time I turn on ESPN or anything NBA-related, all I hear is year 17, year 17. I certainly understand it's a phenomenal achievement, but I also look at his age. He's 35. What was Jordan doing when he was 35? Jordan was getting his second three-peat. And he took a break in the middle of his prime to go play an entirely different sport that requires an entirely different body, an entirely different, um, uh, you know, I don't know, the kinesiology, whatever it's called. Right. You've gotta, you have to rewire your muscles to play baseball. Totally different from basketball. He does that for a year or so. He comes back, and I remember when he came back, he had the 45 jersey, and he was frying people instantly. Like, he, there was some lag time in his game. Like, he had to get his timing right. But the guy was just born to play basketball. Just yeah. like out of any, anybody that I've ever seen. Like, it's amazing. You step out of your prime to play another sport. You come back and you still dominate. And, oh, yeah, you're going to go for your second three-peat. Incredible. So, yeah, LeBron's in year 17, but let's be real. He's 35. It's not like he's 48. He's he's 35. Right. Jordan was 35 years old collecting his second 3 Um, So, you know, 
I just want to throw that out there because the year 17 narrative is, is really starting to get nauseating for me. Just, uh, it's cool. You can say it every now and then, but every other sentence doesn't need to start off with the year 17. Right. You know, also realize that LeBron's been playing since he was 18 years old. It's like, okay. And listen, I give him credit too, because to play that long, you do have to keep your body in phenomenal shape. Uh, I I know I was talking with George, with George the other day, and we were talking about these athletes and how much money you invest in yourself to get to maintain this. You know, you're, you're paying, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars for a personal chef to make sure that your, your body's getting the proper intake. You're paying your personal trainer, big money. You know, you're, you're doing all this stuff. <clears throat> at least you should be doing all this stuff, you know, to keep yourself in prime shape and to do it for 17 years. Like I said, his body is a, mm-hmm. is a Adonis. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to sound gay here, but no homo. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he has a great body. Holy Christ. What, what, what a, what a layup by Murray. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah. you know, he's, an, he's an amazing athlete. I get that. But like I said, for me, I just think it's just, he's missing a lot and I'm missing that respect for him that I have for the guy who killed me for 13 years. I mean, I hated every second that he, he played in the league because you saw what happened when he, when he left the Knicks make the playoffs. I mean, they make the finals. The Knicks have a chance to win. Thank you, John Starks. Uh, Damn. But nice dig at John Stark. (laughs) Well, that's what happens when you go one for 18 from three. Yeah. And then stupid OJ and Al Cowling have to screw up my uh, entertainment of game six by that stupid white Bronco. And they were like, okay, we're going to cut away from the Nick game right now, and let's look at OJ for – Nine hours in a white Bronco. Ridiculous. Doing nothing. I'm sorry to cut hey, you what's off. Up? Um, uh, I just want to jump in because I'm thinking about all of these arguments that I hear from people who proclaim LeBron James as a GOAT. And one of the arguments is, well, if Jordan left the Bulls, how come the Bulls weren't trash? Because when LeBron left Cleveland, they were instantly a lottery team. And and really what people don't realize is LeBron is collecting a a massive amount of stats, um, which is great. Um, He's producing on the court. But when he leaves a team, that team primarily doesn't have any offensive structure at all. The coach, LeBron has kind of, implemented the LeBron system. The coach can't implement an offensive system um, like Phil Jackson could with the triangle. The Bulls, when Jordan left, the Bulls already had a system. They had role players. They had guys who knew their role. They had guys who understood how to operate the offense and how to get the most out of it. So when Jordan left, yes, that's a great player leaving, but they still know how to play together. They still know how to work together. So when LeBron leaves, you have a bunch of vet minimum guys who aren't coming back the next year. You've got guys on one-year contracts or two-year deals. So you've, when LeBron leaves, you have to restructure your whole, uh, your whole roster. And then on top of that, either the coach is gone or fired, or if the coach is still there, 
the coach finally has an opportunity to implement an offensive structure instead of the structure of LeBron standing at the top of the key calling for a screen to get a mismatch so he could either drive or drive and kick. So that I just want to just throw that out there. A lot of LeBron, and I'm not hating on LeBron at all, but a lot of people who say LeBron is the greatest, right. they, and they pull that argument like it's such a weak, stupid argument. And anyway, I just had to debunk for a quick second. Jeremy, what an intelligent observation. Uh, I never thought of it that way. However, Matt and I, we have had uh, a lot of debates in regards to coaching, uh, specifically with what happened in Brooklyn and Steve Nash getting the job and everybody's screaming, oh, well, it should have been Ty Lue. What has Ty Lue done? He ran LeBron James' team. He did what LeBron said. So LeBron was a de facto coach there. So when you talk about He's an NBA championship coach in title alone because coaching-wise, what did he do to make that team a championship team? It was a ready-made team. You know, you had LeBron running everything. You know, what did Ty Lue actually do? That's, a, that's an excellent point. And to that, I'll even bring up Steve Kerr. Um Outside of, I feel like the true gift of coaching right now in this in this era, the super team, or somewhat of a super team era, the 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 key to coaching is really management of ego and personality. I'm not even really sure if Tyron Lue was able to manage all the egos and personalities in that locker room. Um, I kind of feel like it was more of LeBron James and Clutch Sports um, <laughs> getting that done, but. Uh, yeah, give Steve Nash a shot, man. I, I think he's. I think he has an opportunity to do something great. Well, listen, you know, he comes from a philosophy of sharing the ball, and also realize he was, you know, was he not top five point guard of all time? He was a two-time MVP, and if it was, I'm sorry, if it wasn't for him getting hurt, you know, he probably could have added to that when he got traded to uh, L.A. And he played with Kobe. You know, so this is this is a guy who knows how to play. He knows how to distribute. Um, he knows how to play that team basketball that Golden State was playing that KD loved. Probably because he was uh, advisor to that team. I don't know if anybody really knows that, but uh, so that's how he got to end with KD. Was they shared the same philosophy because of Golden State. Um, right. The only thing that scares me about Brooklyn going forward, it, it isn't Steve Nash. It's not even KD. It's Kyrie for me. Because what Kyrie are you going to get? You know, is the world flat? <laughs> or are we going to get that dynamic ball handler that can dribble inside of a phone booth and get out w- without it getting touching anything? Or are we even going to get a full season of Kyrie without him getting hurt? Probably not. Well, you know, you kind of hit it on the head before. You're not going to see 82 games from star athletes, unless you're Giannis. I think Giannis will play every game if he could. Um, I think he's wired that way. Um, But in the era of, you know, 
injury management or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't think so. Like, you're not going to say that with Brooklyn. Brooklyn is going to baby KD, and they should. And they're going to baby Kyrie. And they probably should coming off the injury. But I don't agree with the the whole baby stuff. No. Like I said, tell tell Jordan that he has to take a – Take a uh, injury management uh, break. He tell you go fuck off, and then proceed to drop fifty five on the Knicks. Uh-huh. Asshole. Yeah. Macho, I have an interesting thought on what you were just talking about. With you know, what kind of like Kyrie are you going to get on the court, personality wise, and also like as far as his threshold and health and so. I'm wondering if you're going to get a scenario like you kind of got with the Clippers this year where maybe they were injured and maybe they had valid reason like Kawhi to miss a lot of practice time and to miss a lot of games. And, you know, you are right to like baby KD through the regular season because they're going to make the playoffs and he's coming off a bad injury. So with all that said, um, I'm wondering if it's going to come down to like a game six or game seven, a big game in the playoffs against a good team in the East. And if they're going to get caught in a spot where, you know, they just, they, they're not in it or they haven't played enough together. And, or a lot of the excuses that you've heard coming out of Paul George and the Clippers locker room over the last week, I'm wondering if they're that team that had all the talent in the world but if the regular season isn't there and if they kind of coast through it and guys are in and out with injuries, I wonder if they kind of suffer the same fate that the Clippers got this year. So I would say two things to this. And, Jeremy, Louis, if you guys hear anything wrong, jump in if you want. I say the Nets are not going to be in that position next year. Yeah. Even if they're doing the whole time injury management thing as long as they do not trade for that third superstar. Meaning, if they get the Victor Oladipo, which they're talking about, they're going to have to gut most of the team. This, this is a team that is, you know, without them, they, they could have made noise in the playoffs. Like, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie was playing great. Right, so I would say if you kept the core – and then you integrated KD and Kyrie, but they already kind of know how Kyrie plays. So yeah, it's exactly. about the integration now. Um, I don't think that'll be a problem. If they make the trade and they gut the team, and then they go with the mercenaries to fill out the roster, I think mm-hmm. that's where you're going to have a Clipper situation. And that's where they, they would be vulnerable. But if they stay the course, and continue to build organically, I think that they can withstand any type of stuff like that. Well, almost anything. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be a championship caliber team, even with them coming, uh, you know, to, to coach. I mean, they're, they're still a work in progress, but I think they'll I think they'll uh, make they'll make some improvement. But I just don't see, you know, them becoming, you know, a quality uh, team yet, because that's, that's what they were thinking uh, when they got when they got the news, but uh, and we, you know, 
we got to see how Kyrie is, you know, after his injury, after being out for a year. I mean, who knows, you know, what's left in him. I mean, he hasn't played since uh, the finals of last year. And he's going to lose a step. But KD's game is never predicated on explosiveness. So it's not like that he relies on the explosiveness to get to the rim or to jump. Like, his game wasn't, you know, about that. So the Achilles injury, given proper time, I don't think it's going to hurt him. You know, I think he can come back and play at a high level. Maybe not at Kyrie, I mean, uh, KD level at first. Like, maybe that'll take no. another year to come back. But you're still going to have a highly effective superstar, I think, just because of the nature of the injury and the nature of his game. And the pure threat of having a seven-foot a seven foot dynamo on the court. Like, he may be 70%, but I'm not leaving that guy open at the three-point line. Oh. And if he drives to the lane, then I'm sending help to this. I'm sending help to come stop him. Um, I, I agree with you on the third star, and I feel like they should empower Karis Levert to be that guy. Um, I like what I saw from Levert in the bubble. Um, I feel like he's, he can not only score, but he can facilitate. I like the way he plays with pace. And they have an interesting mix of young talent that teams would want. Jared Allen, I could see a lot of people wanting Jared Allen or even a veteran big like DeAndre Jordan. You got a shooter in Joe Harris. Um, Torian Prince um, could be a serviceable wing defender and also, um, you know, a service, serviceable knockdown three point guy. So I kind of feel like, uh, you know, they kind of have what they need there. I mean, of course, if, if you're able to get somebody of a magnitude like a Drew Holiday who may potentially be out there then you have to explore that, but for for what it's worth, I, yeah. I don't feel like they should break the bank to try to make a three-headed monster. I think they have a pretty complete roster as it is. You know, if they went the route of, let's say, the Miami Heat when they acquired Ray Allen, like, they didn't have to break the bank for Ray Allen because he was the older veteran. Uh, the, you know, it was partial, looking to get rid of salary. So, you know, that type of fit and how Ray Allen fit with uh, Dwayne Wade and Bosch and LeBron, that was, that's the perfect compliment, I think, that, that type of player. Um, well, I think Old Depot, I think, would be awesome with them. You're going to have to give up a little bird. You're going to have to give up a Dinwiddie, a Jared Allen. And uh, I think I'd give up Jared Allen. Plus, is that plus worth all the minuses that you're going to have to do? No, I don't care what trade they make. That team cannot afford to give Jared Allen up. He doesn't get enough recognition just because of the market that he plays in and the team, and they haven't really won anything yet. But if you watch this guy play just a few games, the way he plays and the impact he has, that team better not lose Jared Allen. They they should get rid of DeAndre Jordan before they ever get rid of Jared Allen. You can't get rid of you can't get rid of Jordan. I'm just saying he's un- he's untradeable because that's Kyrie and KD's best friend. Yeah, they yeah, left money well, on the table for him, so that's they, they're not going to let him get traded. No. So let's be honest that that that's off the table. You can't. Now is he? Could he be a great uh, backup big man? I think so. I I think he still has skill, but 
like you were saying, I, I like Jared Allen to start. And uh, you bring him in off the bench. A $10 million big man off the bench. Still serviceable. He can play that whole uh, Tyson Chandler role. Yeah. I loved Tyson Chandler when he was on the Knicks. I think he was a little overrated with that defensive player of the year that he won while they were making the playoffs. But he was a fun, like, energy guy to have in his prime playing at center. Nothing wrong with and he Tyson looked like, Chandler. He looked like a great teammate. Like, he was that great teammate that that everybody loved. Like, with the Yankees, it was CeCe Sabathia. Um you know, he looked like that type of player that you would play for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Definitely like a great presence on the team, great presence in the locker room. The only thing with Tyson Chandler that always made me laugh is from someone that could grow a good beard, his beard used to drive me insane because he wouldn't trim any of his neck hair. And I'm like, that's got to be the most uncomfortable yeah. shit to play with. Ever his beard used to go just what, crazy. What you were looking for a good spot to kiss? Is that why you, it, it was no, it, crazy? No, it, it started, made me uncomfortable. turning you on from someone that had a beard, and I was always like, "Yo, this guy. These players probably think this guy's crazy. You know, they probably think something's wrong with this guy." I remember thinking that was just part of his thing. We had Jeremy. Did, did, did this guy? Did this guy ever uh, mess with your beard? At work? I missed that. I'm so, I'm sorry. What is the beard? Don't worry about it. The beard is ridiculous. Okay? That's all I'm saying. He never shaved well, that shit. Speaking of the beard, speaking of the beard, I don't know if, it, if you guys heard the latest rumor today. Um, the 76ers are interested in getting D'Antoni to be the head, oh my head God. coach. I've heard, I've heard. With, with the cat, with the carrot of going after James Harden next year. Come on, man. Come on, man. Stop. Listen, are we trying to win championships or are we trying to sell tickets? Because we've seen this story a million times. I think it's such a stupid hire. Mike D'Antoni doesn't need to be a head coach in the league right now. He needs to be a badass assistant coach or just take a damn year because the teams have gotten worse over the last three years, and it's a one-trick pony. I couldn't be less on the Mike D'Antoni train if I tried. I think that there's well, yeah, way we better talk- coaches out there that could actually we, we make an impact. Chemistry. We just talked about We all and- know what it's going to look like, man. It'd be so <laughs> stupid. Right, we but, all know you know, the, the GM in Houston every year makes a big trade. So does D'Antoni's team ever get a chance to truly gel? Yes. Yeah, man. I, I'm telling you, I couldn't be less on it. I don't think that he implements a good system. He's with the same team. He was with this same Houston Rockets team for like four years, you know? Right. There were, like, more than two guys that were on that team four years ago. He was with Chris Paul for three years. And, like, that's a floor yeah. general, you know? And they always lose in the same way. So, yeah, for, like, individual seasons, his guys are typically healthy. And for stretches of seasons, 
Yeah, I don't think it's got anything to do with other than, for whatever reason, he's not much of an innovator outside of this, like, one-trick pony offense that he has. And there have been constant reports in the media from, like, lead ESPN analysts that all say, for whatever reason they keep bringing it up, he's non-confrontational, and he kind of just likes to, like, compliment the players and, like, let them kind of dictate what the show is going to be and he'll keep running it and everyone will drive. But there's been so many reports about him, like, not getting on players and not making changes when he should that, I mean, we just – whatever. It w- it'll be fun for a year, and then they'll lose in the second round of the playoffs. Well, we know his name should be Mike Antony because he plays no D. <laughs> uh, right, right. <laughs> but that's like so, a huge part of the game, you know. But you know, it, it, he's not the first coach to ever think of out just outscoring you. Uh, Mike Martz, when he was the head coach of the Rams, you know, he didn't ca- really care much about defense. He just wanted to run up the score. You can even say the same to Andy Reid, you know, and his teams in Philadelphia. His teams in Philadelphia were always offensive based and not truly defensive base. I know they had Dawkins, uh, you know, for that long stretch, but their teams were not based around defense. You know, it used to be around Westbrook and uh, McNabb, uh, J.D. McCoy, you know, their whole thing was always offense. Uh, You know what? The Antonio to me is in the Antonio in the same boat. Ant, yeah, Antonio. Um, I feel like Doc Rivers should be in the same boat as Antonio right now. Um, but I will say that the Houston Rockets were pretty much one of the only teams to really give the Golden State Warriors um, a lot of grief, um, and I will give. The Anthony, uh, Anthony credit for that, but outside of that, he should take a year or two off, similar to Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau took, I, don't, I can't remember how many years, but he, I guess, has been reported to be spending, with his time off, spending time with different organizations. Um, just, right. you know, observing the front, up, front office culture or observing practices and actually just trying to add to his tool bag. So, although I don't really like Thibodeau's um, you know, what he's known for, which is basically running players into the ground. But um, I am, I do like his approach of taking some time off um, and kind of recalibrating himself. Who Philly should pick up as a coach? It's pretty much anybody other than Anthony. I mean, the uh, Philly fans are, um, Philly fans are notorious. Well, Ty Lowe. I, I think that, that that's the leader in the clubhouse is Ty Lue. And once again, we just finished talking about is Ty Lue really a good coach or was he just a byproduct of LeBron James running the team? You know, you call or, you know, it's the one negative, uh, the one thing I will say that that Anthony will not take a year off. He's already 70 years old. You know, he's, you know, if he's going to coach or he's not going to coach. I don't think he's going to take a year a year off to learn, because um, it really doesn't benefit him in terms of, you know, his next 
his career trajectory because he's basically at the end of his trajectory. You know, he's basically at the end of his coaching career. His next stop should be his last stop, theoretically. Yeah. So is he going to take a year off? I don't think so. But uh, I'm really curious about Philly and who they who they're going to bring in. Um, I was talking with Matt. I would have loved to see Jason Kidd get the Nick job. Um, I thought Kenny Atkinson, I thought, was my top choice for the Knicks. Like, I'm okay with Tibbs, but um, Mark Jackson needs another shot. Uh, I think we can go on and on before you He's get to the be saying that who I think is garbage. 10, 15 years. I don't know why Mark Jackson isn't getting a job back in the league, but I feel like he's never going to get a job back in the league. It's sad. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Well, man. I don't you know, because be they, they used to say the same thing about Joe Dumars and that Joe Dumars would never get uh, a job again, but he, you know, he just got hired back. So, you know, time heals all wounds for whatever reason that Mark Jackson has wounds. You know, I don't know. I know a lot of it they said had to deal with, you know, his religion. However, you know, you ask the guys on the Golden State Warriors, they all love them. Right. I'm sure that maybe he – like, all right, fine. So let's assume and say because of that, those reports that maybe he was a little loud and preachy with his religion and things in the locker room and stuff like that. Let's say that that is what it is. Just for argument's sake, I don't know. But, like, what? So, like, there's a few guys that couldn't put up with that at the time, and therefore he doesn't get a job. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying how messed up I think that is. You know, like, if you couldn't put up with it, then that's just, like, real world stuff when you're, a, you know, a type of guy like that in your 40s and 50s. Like, I would hate for that to be the reason. Yeah, the the report that I heard was that Mark Jackson was kind of in the – he was preachy first off, but then secondly, he had uh, issues with um, front office management, like particularly with Jerry West, and that, you know, he wasn't allowing front office guys into, like, practices and things like that. And, I mean – Jerry West is a logo, man, so I, I kind of feel like if you alienate the logo, then you're probably going to have to sit and time out for God knows how long. But um, well, I'd like they, to see Jeff Van I'd like to see. I'd like to see Jeff Van Gundy give a shot, man. I heard he might come back to Houston. Yeah. He's actually a, a so very – he's a very loud candidate for Houston. Um, Absolutely. But I just want to hit on Jackson real quick. Uh, Jackson apparently, because of his beliefs, and by the way, it's like a bomb show right now. Lakers are hitting threes left and right. Um, but uh, a lot of it had to deal with his feelings on the gay community, you know, and his religion. And that's what, remember, Golden State is out of San Francisco, Oakland. So that had a lot to do with his firing. So it's just curious on. You know, if they're willing to give the guy another shot. And once again, I think he deserves it. He was a great player. Not a Hall of Fame player, but he was a great player. You know, he had respect from his team. He was a great coach. 
You know, it's that whole thing where what makes a great manager in baseball? Usually catchers. What makes a great coach in basketball? The point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to see him get another shot. Yeah, I forgot about that part. I mean, if if yeah. that is if that's something that you're going to do in this day and age, um, then you will be expected to kind of do the media tour and also, um, you know, involve yourself in in community outreach programs. Yeah. Not just saying that you're reformed, but showing that you're reformed, especially in that city. Ex- uh, I forgot completely forgot about that. Excellent point. Yeah, I think, you know, time, you know, can heal all wounds. And I think that this is a wound that can be, you know, you know Murray's the yeah. truth, man. Jesus Christ, he's not letting Denver get down. I don't know if it's his kick no. or what, but he's just on fire right now. Those shoes are loud. They're like a Russell Westbrook outfit or something, man. I don't know, but they are popping it's, off it's, the it's, screen. It's, it's like you're talking to Cam Newton after a game. Uh, yep. Who's been killing it? Yo, I hate to uh, do this, but I got to get going. I got work very, very early in the morning tomorrow. But, Jeremy, it was cool talking to you. Macho, um, I appreciate it, man. Let's do this again. You guys have a good time. I'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. All right, take one. it easy, man. All right. I'm pre- we am probably going to head out behind him as well. Enjoy the game. Hey, guys, don't forget about my show on Saturday at 5 o'clock if you can. All right, Lou. I got your number. All right, thanks, Nigel. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, I'm going to head out behind, uh, head out out the door along with Matt on that one. kind of loud in my environment, man. I'm at an Airbnb this weekend doing work. So, nice. um, yeah, it's not that nice because I'm now finding out that they have Xfinity and they don't have a subscription where I can watch the game. So, um, Brian, I'm sorry. Not cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, guys, I, I appreciate you having me on. And, um, listening to some of my ideas. No, listen, uh, you're more than welcome to call back. I'll let Matt know when we'll do another show. Um, you know, yeah, we'll talk more than just basketball. You know, it's good to kind of talk basketball because me and my partner, George, we normally, you know, we'll touch it, but, you know, he's more of a hockey guy. Um, so, you know, we focus more on baseball and hockey and football. Uh, so, for me, I love talking basketball, so, you know, this is a good kind of sidebar. So, you know, you can, you're welcome to either come on to our regular show or if we keep doing this little basketball thing going or the side uh, sport thing, you know, you're more than welcome. I love your ideas and your open-mindedness. So you're definitely welcome, you know, for future shows. Cool, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, definitely know where to find you guys now. So, um You'll hear from me. I'll be I'll be in contact with you guys. All right, probably have a great day. All right, man. Take it easy. Enjoy the game. All right, buddy. All right. Well, that looks 
to be the end of the show. We got two minutes left. Uh, should we do a quick rundown on the baseball games? What we have? <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so Braves, Marlins, 0-0. Baltimore, uh, 10-1 over Boston. 8-4, Kansas City over Detroit. 10-3, Houston over Texas. 3-1, St. Louis over Milwaukee. 2-0, Dodgers over Athletics. 7-0 final for Pirates versus Cubs. Uh, 5-4, Rockies over Giants, Mets beat the Nationals 3-2, 5-4 Cleveland over the White Sox, and 4-1 Toronto over the Yankees, and it looks like that will be all for today. Everyone have a great night, and we'll see y'all soon. Have a good one. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.